Podcast. In a perfect world, a leader needs to be working on the business at least 20% of their time. They cannot work in their business 100% of the time and expect it to grow, expect it to improve. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrennie.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about how to take control of our businesses. My guest is the founder and principal of 1310 Business Solutions, Chuck Kanebush. He is the author of a new book, Hope is Not a Business Strategy, How to Take Control of Your Business So It Won't Take Control of You. We sat down and talked about the common things that business leaders get wrong and how to avoid those traps. If you feel like you've lost control of your business, this is your episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chuck Kanebush. Chuck is the founder and principal of 1310 Business Solutions. He spent over nine years in the Army and National Guard and more than 28 years in various operations roles in corporate America. Uh, He is the author of the book, Hope is Not a Business Strategy, How to Take Control of Your Business So It Won't Take Control of You. And I am excited to have him on the show to talk about how to take control of our businesses. So Chuck, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, good to meet you. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the subject. And I love the name of your book. So <laughs> I can't wait to dive in. But before we get into the book, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up and why you ended up starting uh, your business, 1310 Business Solutions. Well, as you said in the introduction, I spent nine years in the military, absolutely enjoyed it. Um, but being gone all the time from the family started to, to, to be a toll. Um, I was I was in the National Guard. I was then also in kind of coming up in business, starting business travel, still finishing my education. Couldn't do everything. So went through a 28-year career with uh, Lazy Boy Incorporated. Retired. It's been about five years ago. After about a year of retirement, my wife is saying, you need to find a hobby. You need to find a hobby. 
So I said, well, okay. And at that point in time, my former employer, Lazy Boy, gave me a call and said, hey, would you come back for a, a project? I said, absolutely. So that's when I formed 1310. Um, I said, well, I'll go ahead and help Lazy Boy. And then afterwards, I'd like to help small, mid-sized other businesses because I think there's a lot of opportunity in small and mid-sized businesses that they're just not taking advantage of. I think, you know, they can boost whether it's their bottom line, their top line, or just the time of the owner sometimes by 10 to 30%. by I mean, doing just some small things, which is kind of what got me then into writing a book because I was between, between consulting gigs. I was working with my business coach and mentor. And he suggests, well, have you ever thought of writing a book? Mm. I said, well, we kind of all dream about it, or at least those of us who do a lot of reading. And I said, ah, I don't know if I really have a book in me. So we spent, I don't know, three months just talking, having great conversations, kind of like what you do on your podcast. And as time went on, he said, you know, you really do have a lot of knowledge that you could go ahead and apply to other companies and stuff like that. And one of the ways to get it out there might be writing a book. So I said, okay, I spent uh, four months writing a book, six months to go ahead and publish the book. There was a lot I didn't know. Um, <laughs> and we got a chance to go ahead and publish it last fall. Really enjoyed it. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I know as, as an author myself, the process, the first time I went through it, it was a, it was eye-opening. So um, but it's just like anything else, you know, when you do something you've never done before, you, it, it's, you, you, you learn. So, you know, when you started off the project, you weren't an author and now you are an author. And I love that, uh, about what we can experience in life is just try things and learn from it. And now you become something different than you were before. So it's kind of neat that you went through that process, learned that, and, uh, yeah, had that experience. So tell us about the book. It's called hope is not a business strategy. What was the inspiration behind it, and who who do you who was it written for? It was written for, I mean, it's great for entrepreneurs, it's great for solopreneurs, but it's also great for like a department manager in corporate America maybe has just stepped up. Mm. What I did, I took life experiences that my wife and I had over the past five to ten years or so in dealing with contractors. I didn't want just to go ahead and take ideas from corporate America and try and shove them down solopreneurs or an entrepreneur's throat. Um, because sometimes they say, wait a second, you know, I'm different. I don't have the staff. I don't have the budget that corporate America has. And they're right. But on the other hand, there's a lot of lessons that have been learned there, sometimes, you know, the hard way. And why not go ahead and take those lessons learned and apply them? So I said, I thought everyone in my audience probably has used a contractor before whether it's a plumber, an HVAC guy, or we ended also ended up building a house and building a pool. So we had some other types of contractors in there. and said, let's go ahead and talk about what they did right and what they did wrong, how they delighted us in some cases, and how we had some phenomenal learning curves, both on the contractor's part, as well as ours being the customer or the client. And let's talk about that in a book. And let's do it in a book where you don't necessarily have to read from cover to cover you can go ahead and, and go in and find a problem and say, this is very similar to the problem I'm having and reference it, open the book to that. It'll talk about the problem. It'll also talk about some alternative solutions. Say, hey, this, this might be a, a way to go ahead and overcome it. Now, that may or may not be the right solution for whoever's reading. But it may prompt them to go ahead and think, well, 
that doesn't work exactly, but with a little change here, a tweak there, all of a sudden I can apply that to my business. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Interesting. He took the contractor because you took the experience of the customer, if you will. Uh, yeah. And, and, and how, how we see uh, a small business versus, you know, how a small business leader may see it. And I think that's an interesting twist to the way you took that approach. Very interesting. Um, so one of the things I was noticing is you open up the book with it with it with this interesting quote, and I'll read out the quote, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. it says it says hope is by nature an expensive commodity, and those who are risking their all on one cast find out what it means only when they are already ruined. Now, where did this quote come from, and why did you pick it for this particular opening segment of the book? Well, I had, I mean, I had my title. And the title was something that I had said all through my time in corporate America, that hope is not a business strategy. And we talked about that a lot when we would go through annual operating planning. Mm. Um, because again, everybody kind of rolled their eyes and said, oh my God, we got to do it again. Or we've got to plan for the quarter. We've got to plan for the next month. And yes, it can be cumbersome. It can be not fun, but it needs to be done. And I would say, well, you know, hope is not a business strategy. Hope is not our strategy. We can't just go ahead and tell corporate, hey, we're going to get what we get. Yeah. Because they're expecting certain things. Right. And by having that conversation about expectations, we can plan. We can go ahead and talk about risks. We can say, hey, if these circumstances happen, we've got some problems. Or if these circumstances happen, we're going to go ahead and be on easy street. So when I was looking for quotes, I came across this one and to me, it was just the, the perfect quote because it, it really talks about planning or the, if you don't plan and you just go ahead and roll the dice, you get what you get and you don't know whether you win or lose until those dice stop rolling. Hmm. And isn't that way too late in the process to go ahead and be trying to figure out whether you're going to be a success or a failure? No, again, that's the type of failure where we can't recover from. Mistakes happen all the time. But I mean, really, do you want to go ahead and bet your whole business on a chance roll of the dice? I would think not. I think it's much better to go ahead and have a plan. Yeah, interesting. It's funny because I think of that expression a lot. You know, I started my own manufacturing business seven years ago, and um, I've always believed in that. I, I was in corporate America for 22 years, and uh, I always believed in that. Hope is not a business strategy. But I found myself a few times in as an entrepreneur <laughs> relying on hope a little bit too much because sometimes... Uh, as a, as a, at least as a startup business, you know, you are hoping to land that big account. You're hoping to, there's a lot of, there is some hope that was required. And, and I noticed, I found myself saying, hope is not a business strategy, but I need, I hope we get that account. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's interesting that, that, um, that you chose that because I, I've always believed in the same thing, but I found myself in a couple of occasions, you know, in the last seven years, relying on the roll of the dice a little too much because I think there is there is some uncertainty when you're doing something that's never been done before, I think. that's uh, But uh, that's just my own personal experience, for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. We had, I was over a, a, what we call a dimension plant, a plant that cut wood, plywood for the rest of the 10 manufacturing facilities that we had. And out of a hurricane, we had one of these micro tornadoes hit the plant Oh, wow. And shut us down. I mean, it, and then, of course, the rain comes right after the tornado. And we, I don't know, we got three, four, five, six inches of water inside. We had another six inches on top of the roof that had partially caved in. We were not going to be working in that facility for a long time. 
And of course, I had to go ahead and let my boss know. And, and the two of us, we called corporate and we said, hey, we've got this problem. And they said, Chuck, you're the one who's in charge. You're the one who's going to go ahead and have to fix this. I said, okay, we can go ahead and do that. Um, but in order to do that, do we have a contingency plan? No. Well, immediately, about a couple hours later, all 200 employees had heard that we had had a tornado. So they all pick up the phone and they're calling, hey, do I have a job Monday morning? This was on a Saturday. And I said, wait a second. Well, give me two or three days to create a plan and we will figure something out. I know that. I don't have a plan today. I mean, it just happened. But give me two or three days to figure it out and we will put a plan together. We'll put a team together. We'll put a plan together and we will go ahead and go forward and we will make sure that all 200 employees will get paychecks every week. We'll make sure that all those 10 supporting plants will have what they need to have. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, it took us three days. We put a plan together. We subcontracted all sorts of similar type of operations in our area. We might go ahead and lease the, the facility on third shift, put our people there and work third shift. I mean, we were subcontracting locations as far as 500 miles away. We wow. sent teams out for two weeks, let them come home for a weekend and then send them back out. So, I mean, there was a way to do it. So initially, yeah, hope is where we started because we didn't have a plan, but yeah. then we put it together and immediately following that corporate said, Hey, we can't go ahead and allow things like this to happen again. We need to do contingency planning. We need to, to think through what the possibilities are and they may not be right. They may not go ahead and perfectly apply to whatever situation happened. But if we've given thoughtful um, consideration to it, we'll have an idea of what alternatives we may have and what we can choose and what we can't choose at that point in time in the future. And to me, that's what planning is all about. It's not, it's not saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. It's not a checklist A, B, C, D, and we're going to follow it. It's, hey, and we've given some thoughtful consideration to a number of alternatives. We have discarded some because we don't think the business conditions fit that. So we're going to probably go down this path of A, B, C, D. But if we hit C and something happens, we've also looked at alternatives E, F, G, H, and I, and we may go ahead and be able to select one of those because when you hit that problem, you may not have time to, to sit down and sit back and think about your business because you're so busy working in your business. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. And I think that more and more as we've gotten more mature as a business, that certainly has been the case. Much more planning, much more preparation. I think in the early days, though, there was we were we were feeling in the dark. <laughs> are, are we we were there was a lot of hope there in the beginning, so for sure. But um so one of the things I thought was interesting is you have a background in manufacturing and operations. And uh you mentioned um integrating project management and lean principles. And I thought it'd be good to talk a little bit about what are some of the lean manufacturing principles that uh, that you that that non-manufacturers uh, can implement. What are some of the concepts that you bring into the book that help leaders think a little bit about uh, how to run their business from a lean perspective? I mean, to me, lean is all about three primary principles: delivering value as defined by the customer. And again, how can that not apply to any business? Because if we're not delivering value to the customer, why would the customer come back or even come to us in the first place? Second is eliminating waste. And we all have waste, whether it's the paperwork of onboarding somebody or in manufacturing, all the movement, all the inventory, lots of different kinds of waste out there. 
And then third, continuous improvement. And who doesn't want to improve? Who doesn't want to say, hey, we can go ahead and take a nickel out of the, the process or a nickel out of the product over the course of the next quarter or the next year and go ahead and either put that toward our price and possibly decrease our price to our, our customer or to say, hey, we need that to go ahead and pay for raises or other changes in economic conditions. Yeah, I like that. I like the, that you brought those elements in, the waste elimination being a, a, a big part of it. And uh, yeah, and, and delivering the value. I think it's really important. I know, like, for example, I, I come from a lean background too. And one of the things I teach in leadership is is the, the idea of Gemba going to where the value is added. So I'm always telling leaders, get out of your office, go to where your people are and where the value is added. And that's where you're going to learn the real story, not the story you hear when someone comes to your office, right? <laughs> get your eyes oh, on it. So <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and to me, it's about, you know, documenting processes ultimately. And, you know, it's, we may have a, a documented process that we think works, but the, the thing is, is, it, is that really the process that's being worked, whether it's out on the production floor or it's in the office? Yeah. So, I mean, we need to go out and we need to audit these. Um, and sometimes it's best if it's somebody who's never done the process before because they can follow along. And we as humans like to improve things. I and mean, we always take a shortcut. We find a better way. I mean, that's just human nature. So chances are the people doing the work have found a better way. Mm -hmm. We just haven't turned around and documented it yet. And if you ask that person now, okay, let's say they're moving on up into another position of the company, well, train your replacement. And if there's no documentation, they're going to go by memory or they're going to go by the notes that they took when they learned it. Maybe those notes are accurate. Maybe they're not. So again, now we're we're passing things down by tribal knowledge rather than a, a document that really matches what we do. So it's important to capture those processes periodically, audit them, and then update them as necessary, or go back to those processes when we're looking for a way to make improvements. Go back to the people doing it. Hey, is this really the best way? Or does this frustrate you? Are there any obstacles to this? Oh, no, I know a better way. It just The system won't allow me to. Or, or you know, my boss won't allow me to. Okay, let's have a conversation about that. And I think that's one of the keys of just leadership is having just a little curiosity. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I write in one of my books, uh, we turned an entire manufacturing plant around just by going out and spending time on the shop floor. And one of the, the first, I call it the, the mallet was the, the, for me, I saw a mallet that was so worn down. It was worn down to the nub and somebody was actually using it on the line. And I stopped and I was the general manager of the plant. And I said, what? what is that you're using? Is that a mallet? He's like, yeah. And I said, it's just, just worn down. It's like, yeah. I said, why don't you have a new one? He's like, well, management's too busy and I haven't had the time. So we just keep using the one that we have, you know? And it's like, you hear, you hear that a lot. It's like, oh, we're, everyone's busy. So we just use what we have. And the fact is, is you've got, they've got a tool that doesn't work properly. And it's because they, you know, everybody thinks, well, they're too busy. And I think if management spends time listening, observing, being curious, they're going to see things that they uh, didn't know existed. That, and they're certainly not going to learn it if they're stuck in their office and uh, in their meetings all day, uh, for sure. We had a time where our senior VP of operations came down to tour the plant. And as he's walking through, he comes up to one of our, our chair cells and he says, what's this? And it's probably a two-foot crowbar. He said, "Is this is this a tool you normally put in in your in your cells?" And we said, "Well, I don't think so." 
But come to find out, yes, our tool room had them, and they would go ahead anytime a cell said, hey, we lost ours, they would go ahead and replace it. So we had them. And it was, I mean, a highly embarrassing moment because that is not how you want to adjust a mechanism on the chair using a crowbar. Yeah. So, you know, then, of course, we launched the, the, the whole thing as to why they needed a crowbar, what we were doing wrong in the process to go ahead and make that mechanism work correctly without to not use a crowbar. And then when the, the senior VP um, retired, we chromed a crowbar for him and <laughs> gave it to him. And he said it was probably the most memorable uh, piece of memorabilia he'd gotten at his retirement. Absolutely. That's great. I love that. Yeah. But at the time, it was a shocking, horrible thing from our perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen it all. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I ran eight. Well, this is my ninth manufacturing plant. So I've run eight manufacturing. I think I've seen mostly everything you're going to talk about in this show. So it's amazing what people do. And, uh, and now often management has no idea it's going on for sure. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutrition, habits and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today so one of the things you talk about in the book which i like is that you say that uh, many small businesses aren't living up their potential because the leaders are too busy and so i see that a lot we talk about a lot on the show what in in your estimation what should leaders be doing to avoid this trap in a perfect world, a leader needs to be working on the business mm-hmm. at least 20% of their time. They cannot work in their business 100% of the time and expect it to grow, expect it to improve. 
So they need to kind of step back. And one of the things that I found with my retirement is I went back to thinking about my previous job and what could I have done better? But I never had the time while I was in that job to have those thoughts or, or to really think that through. So I've learned through my experience, I think it's really important to find some time to step back and think about the business, think about how we're going to improve it, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong, what can we do differently. I mean, I think the conversations with the employees is phenomenal, but it also takes the leader to also step back and have some thoughts too. And we don't always have the time to go ahead and do that. So how do we find that time? You know, do we need to be in every meeting? Do we, you know, I know all of our inboxes are just absolutely overloaded. Can we talk to our people and say, create a little bit better subject line so we'll know whether that is something urgent we need to look at, we can put it off, or it's an FYI that we probably don't need it today, this week, this month. We can always catch up on it at some point in time in the future. So I think, you know, there's a lot of little things that we can go ahead and, and and do that'll go ahead and improve our time and allow us to be more efficient. I mean, a great example is a dentist. The dentist is not the person that you're dealing with for your whole appointment. The dentist is that expert, that leader who walks in and spends those few minutes very, very focused on exactly what he or she needs to go ahead and do. But the other time you're still dealing with a professional, you're dealing with the technician, the hygienist, the person cleaning your teeth. And again, each one provides value, but you need to go ahead. You don't need the dentist to clean your teeth. You need the dentist to go ahead and check for the cavities, to go ahead and read the x-ray results, to do the filling, a lot of other things. Where the hygienist is an expert because they get so proficient at doing it because they're doing it day in, day out, multiple times a day. They've got the process down. Mm, yeah, I love that. It's one of, one of the rules I always had as a general manager is I would never... I would say, I, I don't want a login for the ERP system. And, right. I said, and I, they would say, why don't you want one? I said, because the, the NASCAR driver doesn't get out and change the tires, right? I, if I would that, <laughs> we're, we're not going to win the race. So we have to make sure, like, I love what you said, you got to work on the business and not necessarily in the business. And I think we need to take the time, we need to have the quiet times, we need to be thinking strategically. We got to be, but we can't be doing that if we're distracted by our phones our emails, uh, you know, the, the the ebb and flow of the business. We have to have that alone time. We have to have that time where we can think deep thoughts about the business uh, for sure. Absolutely. Great, great, uh, great input and great, uh, great um, a lesson for everybody listening in the, uh, to the show right now, for sure. Absolutely. So what are some of the... Um, some of the common challenges that small business leaders have and how can how can they be overcome? I know you have some of those in the book, but what are some some of the challenges you've seen and, and, and ways that they can sort of, you know, get through those? Well, I think one thing is set expectations up front. I, I don't care if that's with a customer, with your employees, with your team, even with your boss. You need to set expectations. And sometimes it's kind of hard. Well, you know, hey, if I don't go ahead and if I if I don't articulate the expectations, they'll have them anyway and we'll just move on. Well, in one case, we were having a pool built. We sat down, we had the conversation with the contractor, said, How long does it take to build a pool? You never built one? I don't know. He said, six weeks. We said, Oh, sounds great. He said, Well, six weeks after we turn dirt, but it could be four to eight weeks until we go ahead and turn dirt, because this was COVID at the time. And I said, Okay, not a problem. Well, 
And I thought that was all great. We, we, we had that conversation up front. Unfortunately, he lost his subs. He had all sorts of quality problems. So it ended up being 21 months before we were swimming in our pool. Oh. So it's not just setting the expectations. It's also managing those expecta- expectations through ongoing communication, whether that's formal and periodic. We'll say, hey, every Friday, we're going to go ahead and send you an email, give you an update, what's going on. Or ad hoc, or pick up the phone, hey, Chuck, we had a problem. We lost our subs. I mean, they're, everyone's out there going for more money or, hey, this, this particular subcontractor, um, they all came down with COVID because they all work so close together. We're going to go ahead and lose them for four, six, eight weeks. So those types of conversations, you'd be surprised how much the customer says, well, I may not be happy about it, but at least I understand the weight now. Mm. Same thing with you know your boss. Hey, I, I can't get that report done by tomorrow at noon, but if you give me another two hours, and these are the reasons, if you want, I can give you kind of a preview of the report at noon and give you the full report two hours later, and this is the reason why. Again, you're setting expectations, you're managing expectations, you're communicating back and forth. And I think those things are absolutely critical in any business. Yeah, I really like what you say there. That's one, one I have a list of expectations for my employees and one of my one of them is uh you know, do what you say you're going to do. And then it says absolutely. and if you can't, let me know before that, before you miss the deadline. <laughs> right. You know, it's just one of those things that like look, I know things happen, but let me know before you miss it. Don't tell me after you miss it why you missed it, you know, let me know ahead of time. And so, like you say, manage those expectations. If you say, I'm going to have it done by Thursday, I'm the kind of leader that says, I trust you. And and that's, that's gospel. You say it's going to be done by Thursday. I believe you. And I'm, and I'm, I'm on to, I'm on to other things. And I, and I expect you to tell me if you're not going to deliver it, you know, on before the deadline, not, not, you know, on Friday, oops, I forgot, you know, type of thing. So, yeah. Because sometimes our teams don't understand that other things are built on their delivery, yes. whatever that deliverable is. Yes. And now all of a sudden, you know, in your case, you run the manufacturing plant, but you may answer to somebody else too, whether that's a board or a CEO or something else to say, hey, I have I have made commitments based on your commitment to go ahead and keep the information flowing, or, you know, we're going to go ahead and say, we're going to buy this piece of equipment, a, a capital thing. So, I mean, there are sometimes other things that everybody's not aware of. Doesn't mean that everybody has to be. But realistically, that's why it's so important to go ahead and do what you say. And if you can't, let somebody know because, again, adjustments for the most part can be done unless, unless, unless you're, you know, you intend to go ahead and misrepresent yourself. But nobody gets up and says, hey, I can't wait to go, go to work and lie. That's not right. human nature. Right. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And exactly right. We don't want to, but, uh, but yeah. And I think the, to your point, um, yeah, a lot of times we have, you know, we have things that we need to do So we need to get, you know, if we, if you give us a date as a, as the leader, we have, we need, we've got that plugged into our equation and it gives us enough time to get to the next level. I had an employee that was always late delivering. We used to do in corporate, we'd have these uh, business reviews. And so I would have Mm -hmm. everybody give me your slides by a certain time. So I could put together the story that I'm going to tell, right? And uh, this one guy was always late with his slides and he would say, well, no, don't worry, I'll get it to you before the before the presentation. I'm like, that's not helpful. I need that time to sit back and look at all the information and say, okay, well, here's the story that I want to paint. You know, here's where we were, here's where we are, here's where we're going. I want to be able to paint a story, but I need those 
slides given to me at a certain times. So I have that opportunity to look at it. So yeah, you, you mess up the whole system when you, when it's just like a production process, when one, when one piece of equipment or one process is behind, it messes up the whole system, you know, same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so communication that's, is a big part uh, of leadership and running a business. Um, uh, you reference communication quite a bit in the book. So uh, how do you determine the best form of communication to use in your opinion? I think it depends on the situation. Um, I think there's a lot of communication that is asynchronous. And if we're going to use asynchronous communication, whether that's text messaging, email, I know we call it instant, instant message, but that just means it gets there instantly. That doesn't mean that our our reader, our recipient is going to go ahead and read it. And we have to understand that asynchronous communication means that when we send it, the receiver gets to go ahead and choose the time that they're going to read it and respond to it. If we know it's something that needs to be synchronous, we need to have it right now. It needs to be synchronous communication. It needs to be like a phone call. It needs to be a radio communication. It needs to be something where I know I'm getting acknowledgement that, that the message is being received as I am sending it or moments thereafter. So I, and I think it's really important to understand and the difference between synchronous and asynchronous communication and choosing which, which method we want to go ahead and use for what it is we want to communicate. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, and also, uh, yeah, we, you know, when we do use asynchronous communication, just understand that that message might, might be, uh, uh, what we intended to deliver may not be received in the same way. So sometimes that happens, so for sure. Absolutely. So if it's critical, get face-to-face -face and, and be able to do it synchronously so that there's, a, there's like, okay, I get it, I understand. You can see they recognize that, oh, okay, I understand what we need to do. So, yeah. For well, I'm sure it's happened to you, John. A lot of times somebody will send you an email, and then all of a sudden your phone will ring. And you might just be happening to sit down to look at the email. You see the email, but you haven't had a chance to read it answer the phone and say, yes, hey, did you see the email I just sent you? Yeah. Have you read it? Well, no. Well, can you read it right now while I'm on the phone so we can talk about it? Well, wait a second. You spent time crafting a message that you're <laughs> going to call me all about and unless it needs to be documented. You know, dude, do we really need to go ahead and put it in the email? Just make the phone call or walk in my office or, you know, let's meet face to face. But if it was, some, if it was an email, then send it via the email and I'll get to it, maybe not immediately, but I'll get yeah. to it within a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, there's always someone in the organization that would be like that. Did you get my email? I'm like, uh, yeah, but I haven't read it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, um, what are uh, you know? Uh, what are some other pieces of advice that are in the book that we haven't talked about that we you can share with our listeners right now? What are some other ideas in the book? Oh, wow. You know, great question. You know, I think a lot of things come down to values. Mm. I mean, you know, the book talks about at the very beginning, what I call the fundamentals, vision, values, purpose, mission, all goals, strategies, all important. But ultimately, it comes down to values. And if you haven't articulated the values of your business, are you really living up to them? Is your organization really living up to them? Because Again, how do they know what your expectations are unless you articulate it, unless you communicate it out? And I think everything comes down to, to values because those should be the prism that everything that the organization does is, can be seen through. Hey, we value people, and the first thing we do is we lay 50% of the people off. 
is there an alternative to that? I, you know, I understand. I'm not saying layoffs can never happen, but you know, it shouldn't be the first resort. It should be very close to the last resort. Yeah. Um, especially when we say, hey, people are are really important. But by people, are we talking about customers? Are we talking about employees? Are we talking about our supply chains? Talking about the communities that we live in. So again, articulate your values and then as you say, let's do what we say. Yeah. Say what we do. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, write them down. Give them out. We we we've got ours. I, I give them to all our new employees. We have it posted on the bulletin board, like what my expectations are and what our values are as a company. And it's uh it's 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 that's what we live by. We, you know, and again, we try to hold each other accountable when we don't do those things, you know. And I and I give my employees permission to call me out when I'm not living up to those principles as well. So uh, I think if we do that. We're we're a better operating team because we are all, all on the same page. I think that's a big big part. Values being important. I love that. I love that a lot. So um, this has been all. This has been really good. Um, how can listeners find out more about you, your company, and this new book? Well, first place to go is my webpage, thirteen ten dot com. Um, another place is on LinkedIn. We we have a thirteen ten dot LinkedIn page. I also have a personal LinkedIn page. Either one are great ways to, to get in touch with me. Um, we have a lot of templates that we like to put out on the, the webpage. The book talks a lot about templates. Again, yeah, kind of like a checklist. Um, and we have them out there. We offer them to anyone who wants to go ahead and use them. Okay, fantastic. We'll put links in the show notes for all those resources. Listeners, uh, hope is not a business strategy. This is the book. This is what we've been talking about. Uh, don't put all your efforts into your hope. Uh, have a plan, execute that plan. And this is a excellent book that gives you a lot of practical uh, guides from a, an experienced uh, professional that's been in the trenches for, for three decades. You want to learn how to do things from people that have already done it for you. This is a book I recommend. Hope is not a business strategy. Chuck, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing uh, this book and all the lessons that you have in the book, because I think it's really important for, for business leaders. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. 
I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.